Still, yeah, still good morning. Uh, hello to everybody. It's a great, great pleasure to be here uh, speaking again today. Um, and it's a great passage. Uh, we're building on the Ephesians um, series. We've had an introduction. We've had uh, an amazing doctrinal sweep through the whole of the gospel from Wangi, including a, a bit of predestination, which was amazing. We had a bit from Adrian talking about uh, taking inspiration from the way that Paul prays really deeply for those he loves. Uh, last week we had Chris on grace and this week oh, we're talking about unity uh, through that grace. So I've asked Tanya if she might come and read the passage to us. Uh, it's Ephesians chapter 2 starting at verse 11. It'll be on the screen but if you've got a Bible do follow through and make sure that we're speaking from the word of God. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. So, Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Super, Tanya, thank you so much. Shall we pray before we study together? Wonderful Father, may you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning so that we would know you better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you've called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and your incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. So we're talking today about separation and unification, about going from barriers of separation to inclusive 
buildings of peace. And of course, Paul knows all about the hatefulness of separation. We know from um, the sermon so far that Paul is in prison, probably in Rome at this time as he's writing this letter. And if you look in Acts 21, you'll see the source of that imprisonment was because his enemies in Jerusalem whipped up such a hatred against him, spread a rumour that he was bringing Greeks, that's non-Jews, into the temple, that they created a riot. Uh, Paul was beaten up. The Roman garrison was mobilised to come and respond to this disorder. And they arrested, not the rioters, but Paul, of course. Uh, and that was the beginning of a long uh, legal process that ended up with him appealing to Caesar and ending up in Rome. So essentially, he's there in prison in Rome because of this passionate desire uh, for the Jews to be distinct and holy and maintain that holiness and not let anything defile their holy place. He knew about the, the way that that passion for God could turn into something really hateful and divisive. And yet in that imprisonment, he still manages to produce this extraordinary letter of practical doctrine. The whole of uh, Ephesians is defining who we are collectively in Jesus Christ, how we fit into God's purpose and how as a body of believers we can be part of fulfilling that amazing purpose. And last week, of course, Chris reminded us in the first part of chapter two of the mind-blowing, the scandalous, the costly, the healing, the restoring, the practical, the all-powerful, the inclusive grace that Jesus showed us and now he's writing to a group of mainly Gentile believers in Ephesus and he's saying how that grace will outwork in who they are uh, together collectively. So let's look at this passage together. We start by considering uh, the status of separation and I make no apologies. I'm going to read through the verses as we go through again. I think it's really good just to turn our eyes back to scripture throughout this and not lose sight of that. So verse 11 I said, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in that body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Of course, the circumcised were the Jewish people those who were born into the family of Abraham and included in God's chosen people. They had a really special relationship. They were a holy people. They're, the very definition of that set up a wall around them that both defined them, but it also defined those outside the wall as well. And Paul said that had become uh, to define those who are outside such that the non-circumcised, the non-Jews, the Greeks, the Gentiles were separated excluded, foreigners, without hope and without God. And in fact, the Jewish teachers encouraged the building of fences. Next slide, please. Uh, this is a picture from a, a current Jewish um, teaching website where it explains that putting a fence around the Torah, around the first five books of the Bible, is highly desirable because it protects. It stops people overstepping. And the Jewish experts in the law would define the extra measures to be taken to really make sure that God's commandments 
couldn't be inadvertently broken to really protect that distinctiveness and that really precious gift of the commandments. And the trouble is, Paul says, that if you erect those walls, you also um, create something that's a barrier, a dividing wall, and you create this hostility. So that's where we were. So that's the situation. And then in verse 13 we have one of the great buts. There's another good one, actually, in chapter 2, verse 4. Also, Galatians 4, 4 as well. There are a number of these where that's the situation, but now Christ, in Christ, in verse 13, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. But now in Christ Jesus, the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, Paul says, has been destroyed. Next slide, please. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so there's now equal access to God through the cross for anyone, for Gentile, for which I'm very grateful, or Jew. The Jews were the ones who were near already they're equally called as the gentiles and this is the climax of god's purpose of course which is to bring all things in the whole universe together under christ and this is extraordinary sort of cosmic stuff and yet it has really practical implications for how we interact with each other within that and how the children of god get on um one the great uh, experiences that Ian and I have had whilst in our two years so far in Kenya was attending a wedding uh, last December. So Kenyan friends of ours who we'd met in Israel uh, in an all-nations fellowship, uh, their daughter was getting married. Uh, She'd spent some time in the British Army and studied in the UK, so had lots of British friends. Uh, She was marrying an American who was second-generation Chinese immigrant uh, from the West Coast, And he worked all over the world uh, and had lots of colleagues uh, who came to the wedding. The MC of the wedding was British, but of Nigerian origin, who found the the thing. And the family was kissy. So it was was definitely a kissy wedding, but it it was kind of eclectic. Um, And it was fantastic. It was a celebration of two becoming one. uh, And us all celebrating that from so many different cultures. I think it gave us just a hint of what this unity and equality is all about. Because peace with God that Jesus has uh, assured for us, bought for us, is not just peace with God, but it's peace with each other. And what brings us together is such an infinite love, an infinite power, infinite grace. It's got to be much greater than what divides us, surely. And it's a serious responsibility because the unity of the church under the headship of Christ is on the way to that ultimate 
uh, purpose of God of bringing all things under Christ, all things in heaven and on earth. Paul says we've created one new humanity, just as we were meant to be. So churches should be a taste of heaven. Fantastic. And of course it is. I mean, uh, Ian and I have been married for 24 and a half years and I haven't counted how many places we've lived in, but every with maximum time we've been anywhere is three and a half years and then the police find us, we move on. And, but um, so, uh, and, but what's made that upheaval uh, sort of uh, workable, I guess, has been knowing that everywhere we've gone, we've found a fellowship. Sometimes really small, sometimes really big. Um, and we've been able to slot in on the understanding that we share so much more than we have that is different. It's amazing, isn't it, that this fellowship is full of such a wide variety of people who can all come together through what Jesus has done. And there's no sense or no space for any sense of superiority or special access for any one group in any of that. In the Anglican uh, celebration of communion, there's a really good reminder uh, of this. Uh, the, The minister says, we break this bread to share in the body of Christ. And then everybody replies, though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. That sense of a common identity is actually common being. And that doesn't mean to say that we all need to be the same. Uh, Unity does not or need not mean uniformity. In fact, it would be awful if it did. To be an effective community, we need to bring different skills to the body of Christ. In that kissy wedding that we went to, we didn't all become kissy, but we could all celebrate nonetheless. In fact, we could also enjoy different ways of doing things, different things being brought to the party, literally. I still didn't like the brown ugali, but everything else was pretty good. Um, um, I think we should be careful that as we build our small fellowships, that we're not rebuilding those walls of division. We're not creating definitions that cut other people out. In trying to retain our identity and protect our values, we can exclude others. We can undermine the work that Jesus has done. Paul doesn't say he's moved the dividing walls of hostility. He says he's destroyed them. And we shouldn't try and just get inside the fence. We should make sure the fence is not there. There is building to be done. But Paul says it's not the same sort of legalistic barrier that was there. And what's more, it's not for us to do the construction. So let's read on, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So we're fellow citizens now, built with Jesus as the one who binds us together. And that's the picture of the cornerstone in this one. I said, said to Gerald, could I have the, uh, the funny mic because I want to use my hands? And he said, no. So anyway, we'll try. So here we go. You've got, you've got, you've got a wall of Gentiles. 
you got a wall of Jews, and what's holding that whole building together is the cornerstone. That's binding that together and stopping those walls collapsing. Thanks, Ian. Uh, steady. Steady. It'll only go to his head. So... <laughs> Um, I, think, I think let's not get too distracted by cornerstones, capstones, foundation stones. They're all just a way of helping us understand um, Jesus can be all of those all at once. It's fine. But in this case, we're talking about what binds us together and what defines us. And of course, he's talking about the church. That is the building. As, as uh, preacher Mark Dever said, he said, church is not a place. It's not a building. It's not a preaching point. It's not a spiritual service provider. It's a people. It's the new covenant, blood-bought children of God. Later on in this book in Ephesians 25, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He didn't give himself up for a place. He gave himself for a people. And of course, next slide, please. That church is all about... Uh, is all of our being. It's all of our identity. It's not just where we go on a Sunday. It's not just when we gather to worship together. It's who we are. So it's bigger than renewal. Who knew? It's bigger than our denomination. It is all who are brought near through the work of Jesus Christ. So let's read on. The last section. In him, the whole building is joined together, verse 21, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I think it's important uh, to look at the tense of the verb here in verse 22. We are being built. It's present continuous. We're not done yet which is a relief, huh? Uh, it's going on now. But also note the voice of that verb too. It's passive. We are, be, are being built. We are not doing the building. And verse 13 in this uh, from last week, sorry, in verse 13 from the earlier bit says, we have been brought near. This is also brilliant news. Because we are not the architect. We're not even the building contractor. We are the result of a grand design. I think this links with verse 10 that we had of, uh, at the end of last week's reading. Verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Note that this verb is also collective, we uh, and inclusive and it also talks about God's work through us so God's handiwork and Chris talked about poema that sense of creativity some something artistic and I think it's we collectively are God's handiwork so we're a sort of patchwork or mosaic lots of different media but we have a unity there is a big picture we have a common identity we have a common purpose because we have the common cornerstone. Next slide, please. That the church is God's handiwork is great news. Because building the church is God's responsibility. It's not down to us. So it's not down to Chris Arnold, the leader of Renewal. It's not even down to Callisto Odedi, the Bishop Overseer of Christ is the Answer Ministries. 
or it's even not down to the Pope, how that is done, what it's going to look like, how it's empowered. That's all down to God. I would say, though, we are part of this building project. It's a living building. Uh, and we are not simply observers. So we do have a responsibility. And this, I guess, is where the body uh, picture fits better than the building one uh, to uh, each other in this, to complement one another and to work with each other and to together be more than the sum of the parts. As, uh, as Paul points out in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. It's a collective project, this. We're not here today just to get equipped for ourselves or inspired for our own personal mission in the week ahead. What is the whole body doing, of which this is just a small part? And what is your part in that? I wonder if sometimes we view church as a bit of a sort of docking station. We get our software updated or our battery charged, ready for our mission, rather than we come here to be part of a bigger mission. So as we uh, summarise that then, I think that uh, we could put it in three ways that sort of leapt out at me. There's loads more here, by the way, um, and there's loads of detailed questions for community groups to really dig into the, into the why and how and, and what we should not be. But um, effectively, I think that that picture is a group of people making up a church. Um, we've seen today that Paul is really clear, clear that separation is over through Jesus. Secondly, that unity is God's ultimate purpose. And thirdly, that we as the church are being built together as part of that collective purpose. So as we gather together today, as we move on to um, some more singing, uh, worshipping through music, let's praise God. Praise God, the architect, master builder, for building us in. Um, I did ask Chikwaza to, to have as many we songs uh, at the beginning as we could um, and that was great, isn't it? Jesus, we enthrone you. This is, this is something that we're doing together. Uh, let's consider how our identity in that. Let's consider also whether we're building our own barriers to unity and peace. That might be something quite personal. That might be somebody you don't sit next to in church at the moment because of something between you. Or it might be something much bigger in terms of a denomination that you won't attend or or something. Uh, are we building our own barriers to unity and peace? And then let's consider how we can build one another up. As we lay our pride to one side, it's not all about us. How is it that we can contribute to this building that is ultimately about bringing everything in under heaven and earth under Christ? So let's have uh, the music group come forward if we could. Excellent. Let's worship now. Let's pray as they do that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you have in store for us. Thank you that our purpose is much bigger than we can possibly imagine. Thank you that you've knitted us in and you've brought us near. Pray that you'd open our eyes to where we are erecting our own barriers now. 
pray that you would uh, point out in our hearts as we come to you where it is uh, that we are cutting other people out and we pray that you would inspire this fellowship of renewal to be part of your eternal purpose and you would show us collectively how we work towards that in Jesus name Amen Amen